Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone, and I am bundled up like you would not believe because it's in the teens in terms of temperature. It's so cold, but so pretty because we have a four-inch dusting of snow. I guess that's more than a dusting. Enough to ski on in the yard, which, as you would bet, I have done, and I'm enjoying it very much. And there are crystals on the windows. How much I adore the art of Mother Nature. Thanks to those that reached back about last week's story, sowing treasures of buckeye seeds. My dear friend and design colleague Marty Carson wrote, Thank you for the lovely article about Bottlebrush Buckeye. It's always been one of my favorites. And in addition to all of the other attributes, it's deer resistant. And she is so right about that. So I, of course, I added that to the column. And there's a side note here. Marty and I go back over 20 years. When we first met, I had my first year at the garden show called Spring Fest, which is kind of like a mini Philadelphia flower show. I'm sad that the show retired, but we remain such great friends, and I learned so much from Marty over the years. She has such a depth of plant knowledge. In fact, she introduced me to Bottlebrush Buckeye. I also wanted to mention that you may recall from last week, I had invited Elisa Vett to share her poem about winter berry, featured in the story Berries for Winter Beauty and Wildlife, and she did. And she said something in the little note to me. In my city walk, I came across these, and I wish I had known their name. I called them red berries instead, which is the name of her poem, and I added it to the blog post. I'll put that link in the show notes. And I loved what she called the uplifting finale. I don't want to spill the beans for you, so please visit the link in the show notes and take a read of her beautiful poem. Speaking of red berries, I look forward to sharing a story about partridge berry that leads to a chat about terrariums, a mini gardening warm-up you'll enjoy. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. What a rainy start we've had for the new year, or I should say, the continuum of the rainy growing season. It's worrisome, really, as our ground is so saturated. Please freeze the ground, Mother Nature, before bringing on the snow so our beautiful trees won't topple. This story, by the way, was from five years ago, and it mimics recent weeks. I'm so grateful the ground froze before this recent snow. Last weekend, I roamed the property looking for the beauty amongst the dreary skies, muddy lawn, and lack of frosting. Along the Jacksonburg Creek, where I'm blessed to live, there's a welcome swath of green, a carpet of moss I always admire. Sadly, we have downed trees on each side of the brook that fell during last winter's trifecta. Some have moved downriver in the heavy rains. The creek has swollen to 35 feet wide. It does look like a river. I noticed a charming little red berry as I crouched down to appreciate the many kinds of moss that had gathered to create a magnificent tapestry. Attached to it are dainty dark green leaves with veins and pale yellow. I've seen this little beauty on hikes along the Appalachian Trail, but never noticed it creeping around the moss. Partridge berry, which is Michella repens, 
is a native woody evergreen perennial that trails along forest floors and riverbanks in shady areas. It roots from the nodes, where branches and leaves sprout from the stems and form thick colonies, making a delightful ground cover. It's vine-like, though it meanders, not climbs. It does not propagate easily from seed, instead, by cuttings. But please don't pilfer unless you have permission. Native plant nurseries have them for sale, and it looks festive, deep green with scarlet berries. So partridge berry is often used in holiday pots and terrariums. Speaking of terrariums, as I took the photos of this little cutie and the moss surrounding her, it felt like I was a troll in a miniature forest lurking amongst a carpet of fur. It made me feel small in comparison to the world around me, yet big amongst the moss. Native American women made the leaves and berries into tea and drank it during childbirth. The little berries are edible, too. They say they taste like Swedish tart cucumbers, but I didn't nibble. Let's leave them for the wildlife and admire them amongst the moss and the trees. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com Speaking of trolls, I have to tell you, in the blog post is a photograph of a, um, of course, the patch of moss with the partridge berries meandering through. And I put a troll doll wearing bright red boots. It's actually a Christmas troll that I gave to my mom long ago. And uh, anyway, it's a very cute photo. Do you remember trolls as a kid? I was looking them up because I, I know they've been around for a very long time. In fact, they originated in Denmark in the 1950s. Thomas Dam started the Danish company after his wife encouraged him to try selling the wooden dolls he had been carving for his children. He called them good luck trolls, and they quickly became popular. Thomas sold the wood dolls door to door for a while, but by 1956, the demand became so high he opened a factory and switched to a rubber body stuffed with wooden shavings to keep up with the demand. And that story, although I've modified it a little bit, is from the trollhole.com, which is the website for the Troll Hole Museum in Alliance, Ohio. Apparently it's in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most trolls. I don't know. I always loved them as a kid, and I used to call my mom a troll when things didn't go my way. It became a standing joke as I grew up. She thought they were ugly, and I thought they were cute which is probably why the troll gift to mom came back to me. <laughs> anyway, again, the partridge berry is a staple in terrariums, and it reminds me of an event I attended. Terrariums, a mini gardening warm-up. Just before a gardens kicked into gear, I had the privilege of dropping in on a succulent event hosted by A&J Messina Greenhouses in Blairstown, New Jersey, serving as a mini gardening warm-up. What a lively group of over 70 guests learning how to make a terrarium. Trays of succulents and houseplants filled the center aisle, sparkly lights adorned the sides, and tables of glass vessels with open tops and bowls of planting mediums set the stage as if we were attending a banquet. And we were. Attendees could bring a beverage of choice to enjoy while building their mini gardens. So many bottles of wine. <laughs> I missed the intro when the hosts Angela, Bob, and Chris Messina, plus lead coach Barbara Steele, shared the protocols of terrarium planting, but here are the basics of how-to. First, a layer of pebbles for drainage. Then, a layer of horticultural charcoal for the houseplant terrariums to help eliminate odor. Next, a layer of Spanish moss on the bottom and sides. Then comes the potting soil for the houseplants, 
or a sandy soil mix for the succulents. Then comes the planting. Each guest planted three succulents, or three tropical plants, ensuring that each plant had the same light and water needs, as you would in your outside garden. Bob coached folks on loosening up the root ball as you would when planting annuals, perennials, shrubs, and trees to be sure the roots can quickly take off. Mom used to call it tickling the roots, which still makes me giggle. Carefully tamp the soil to eliminate air pockets, and then you can adorn your miniature garden with moss pilfered from the woods, bits of bark, pebbles, or funkily shaped stones. Some added miniature creatures, cardinals, a turtle, even a twig chair, turning theirs into a fairy garden. Barbara walked around with her marvelous terrarium samples, guiding guests if they were planting too full or too high. They need room to grow. Plants will flourish in the greenhouse effect by planting in the middle of the glass vessel. Barbara advised watering succulents on an average of every two weeks and weekly for terrariums planted with house plants, ensuring glass enclosures are not in the direct sunlight, which can burn the plants. She demonstrated how to water using a squirt-type ketchup bottle to spot water around the plants rather than wet the leaves. The same advice for your outside gardens that I always give to prevent foliar disease. Don't water their little faces, Mom used to say when she was watering her house plants, especially her beloved African violets. So anyway, I've so enjoyed this reflection of the terrariums and the partridge berry and the trolls and making me think of my dear old mom who gave me my gardening start. I would enjoy hearing from you. Who gave you your interest in gardening or love of nature? Please email me at askmarystone at gmail.com. It's always such a delight to hear from you. It warms my heart, which is especially gratifying on cold days on the screen porch like today. And I also appreciate all of you that are subscribing to the podcast so it magically appears in your feed. And as you know, that is free to do. So if you haven't done so already, please do some work and join us and learn and grow in the garden of life. Thanks so much. See you next time on the screen porch. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.